You are listening to Sanction School, a podcast by UK Finance. During each episode, our UK Finance hosts, Neil Wiley and Anila Haleem, are joined by guest teachers and students to simplify sanctions together. The students will be taught a key area of sanctions and later be tested on their knowledge with 10 quick fire questions. Join us, test your knowledge, and let's see how we score. Welcome to the UK Finance Sanctions School. I'm Neil Wiley, the Director of Sanctions and Export Controls, and this is our second year. With the school bell still ringing in our ears, we're going to start with ownership and control. I'm joined today by Victoria Turner from Evershed Sutherland and Jessica Birchenough from UK Finance. Jessica, can you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing? Yeah, thanks, Neil. Um, my name's Jessica Birchenough. I'm the Summer Sanctions and Export Controls Intern at UK Finance. Um, aside from that, I am a third year undergraduate at King's College London and I'm studying liberal arts with a politics major. That all sounds very busy. Victoria, it's always good to see former sanctions school pupils come back and help uh, teach the next cohort. So we really appreciate you giving your time today. Can you introduce yourself and then give us a, an overview of today's lesson? Yeah, thanks, Neil. Thank you for having me. I'm a principal associate lawyer at Evershed Sutherland, and I specialise in advising a range of corporate entities, including global financial institutions in the area of financial sanctions compliance. So thanks for joining us today for this lesson, Jessica. Do you know much about sanctions already? I've learned a little bit in my three months at UK Finance, but I think there's still a lot I need to learn, so I'm happy to be here at Sanctions School. And do you know much about ownership and control specifically? I think I could maybe give a brief definition of ownership, but I definitely don't know the differences between ownership and control or why we have them. Well, that, that's great. So in this lesson, what we're going to do is cover an introduction to ownership and control, what it is and why we have it. And we're specifically going to look at the ownership and control rules across the UN sanctions regimes. We're going to look at the US position, including the 50% rule. We're going to move to the UK position and some of the nuances around ownership there. And then finally, we'll look at the EU position. And we're going to look um, particularly at some of the similarities and differences across some of these regimes. Is that okay, Jessica? Yeah, that sounds great. So why do we have ownership and control? Great question, Jessica. And I think there's a number of um, strategic policy and legal reasons as to why we have an ownership and control test. So when persons, either individuals or entities, are subject to sanctions, they're usually added to a list by their name. And this essentially allows all corporates to check which sanctions measures they need to adhere to if they're interacting with this named person. But if you think about it, a very simple evasion technique would be for a designated person to use a company or another person to transact on their behalf. And this is really what the ownership and control criteria uh, is in place to try and prevent. Now, ownership and control is quite a complex area of sanctions compliance. And whilst we are going to go into it in more detail during this lesson, I think you should remember that broadly, ownership relates to things like shares, voting rights and more tangible aspects, while control looks to the less tangible influence areas. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you mentioned the UN at the start. Do they have ownership and control criteria? Yes. So the United Nations currently imposes 15 different sanctions regimes, which have to be implemented by all UN members. And the UN regimes have ownership and control as part of their asset freeze requirements within each regime. So, for example, 
A typical UN sanctions regime tends to say that all UN member states must freeze the funds, other financial assets and economic resources which are either owned or controlled directly or indirectly by any designated person or which are owned or controlled by an entity which in turn is owned or controlled by a designated person. And as ownership and control forms part of the UN sanctions regimes, as I say, these are implemented across all UN members and as such are found in the regimes of the UN member states. So what criteria does the US use? So the US implements ownership and sets the criteria at 50%. So any blocked person, for example, person A, that owns 50% or more of another entity, so in this example, entity B, directly or indirectly, that causes the second entity to also be considered blocked. And for clarity, when we refer to blocked here, we mean essentially subject to an asset freeze. Now, OFAC set out the what we call the 50% rule in guidance that was initially issued in August 2014. And they also have clarified in FAQ 398 that the 50% rule only applies to ownership, not control. OFAC has also issued some guidance at FAQ 401, which helps interpret the concept of indirect ownership. So is it as simple as that? Just test if they own 50% or not? Unfortunately not, as there are further principles that can make the analysis more complex. So firstly, it's worth noting that the 50% rule is able to cascade. So going back to my previous example, if entity B owns 50% or more of entity C, then entity C will also be considered to be blocked due to its ownership by a blocked person. In this example, entity B, which in turn is blocked due to ownership by person A. And this can get more complicated when you have to look at multiple levels of ownership within a corporate structure. And also direct ownership is sometimes easier to evidence than indirect ownership. The other point to note is that the US also uses aggregation and this can add further complexity to the ownership calculation. Okay, so just going back, what is aggregation? So aggregation means that if one or more blocked persons in the aggregate or in combination own 50% or more of an entity, again directly or indirectly, then the owned entity is also considered to be blocked. So for example, if we have two blocked persons, X and Y, and they both own 25% of entity Z, then entity Z will be considered blocked because it's owned in aggregate 50% or more by blocked persons. And again, this is easy enough if you're looking at the first layer or two of ownership structures, but it can get very complex once designations involve multiple layers. It's also worth noting that prohibitions enacted by the US following the Russian annexation of Crimea in 2014 included a number of what we call sectoral restrictions. An OFAC in FAQ 373 confirmed that aggregation will also apply to entities that are subject to these sectoral restrictions, what we call an SSI entity. Now, although it's not explicitly covered in FAQs, current thinking is that aggregation for SSI entities should only occur when the entities are designated pursuant to the same sectoral restriction. And what I mean here is that the same directive which OFAC has issued, which implements the relevant restriction, has to apply to the different entities. Now, some of these sectoral restrictions relate to certain activities in the context of deep water, Arctic or shale projects, which have a 33% or greater ownership by persons that are subject to the restriction. And OFAC has confirmed that aggregation of ownership 
in this context should be applied when determining whether such projects are 33% or more owned by a person subject to the restriction. So hopefully you can see that aggregation in the context of ownership can be applicable in different ways in different circumstances. Yeah, that's great to know. Thank you. So in terms of control, does the US take the same approach as ownership with control? As a UN member, the US refers to the concept of control within its own legislative framework. However, the US takes the approach that it will explicitly list those that they consider to be owned or controlled by a designated person. What the US then does is it then sets out an exception for those that would be caught under the 50% rule for ownership purposes, stating that they may not be listed but may still be subject to the restrictions. However, there is no additional exception for control and as such under US sanctions, it's not necessary to assess whether a party is controlled by a designated person as they should be listed directly. Is control subject to aggregation? No. So as I mentioned earlier, OFAC sets out the 50% rule in guidance that was issued in August 2014 and they've clarified through the FAQs that the 50% rule only applies to ownership, not control. As an example, the US sanctions in respect of the Democratic Republic of the Congo states that blocking restrictions apply to a person who is determined to be owned or controlled by any person who is otherwise subject to the blocking restrictions. The regulations then have a note to them which specifically states that the names of persons subject to the blocking restrictions are published and incorporated in OFAC's specially designated nationals and blocked persons list or the SDN list. But it then has a further note to reflect the 50% rule and the notes make it clear that the 50% rule in the context of ownership must be considered irrespective of whether a name is on the SDN list. So as such control is not a separate test and aggregation does not apply. This approach is common across the US regimes and it's codified in the US Code of Federal Regulations and or the executive orders that are relevant to a particular sanctions regimes. And I know that the Code of Federal Regulations is going to be covered in more detail in Lesson 5 of this year. Now, notwithstanding the US approach to control, OFAC has uh, stated in FAQ 398 that it urges anyone who's considering transactions with an entity that's not a blocked entity but a blocked person has a significant ownership that's less than 50%, but where they may be said to control an entity. And they recommend caution here because the entity may be designated by OFAC in the future. So we're going to move now to the UK position. The UK sets out ownership and control within the statutory instruments for each sanctions regime that contain financial sanctions, and additional criteria can be held in the schedules to those statutory instruments. Okay, so... Does the UK use the same criteria as the US? No, the UK uses a more than 50% as the threshold for ownership, as opposed to 50% or more that the US uses. And this includes shares and voting rights. Now, these can be held directly or indirectly, and the indirect route essentially allows for the capture of companies that are owned by companies that are in turn owned by a designated person. The UK also considers a company to be owned by a designated person if that person holds the right to appoint or remove the majority of the board of directors. And again, this can be directly or indirectly. Now, it's important to note that the UK does not formally use aggregation as part of its ownership criteria. To add further complexity to ownership, within each UK statutory instrument, the regulations direct to Schedule 1 of that statutory instrument. And Schedule 1 has 13 clarifications and interpretations for the concept of ownership. 
And some of these, such as the definition of an arrangement, are quite broad and difficult to fully qualify, which can make ownership more complex than it appears at first. And I know that this is going to be covered in further detail in the next year of sanctions school. So which regulation sets out control? So in the UK, the condition for control is set out in the UK regulations themselves and specifically Regulation 7 of each statutory instrument. And this sets out the meaning of the phrase owned and controlled directly or indirectly. And control is the second condition of Regulation 7. And what it states is that the second condition is that it is reasonable, having regard to all the circumstances, to expect that P, a designated person, would, if they chose to, be able in most cases or in significant respects, by whatever means, directly or indirectly, to achieve the result that the affairs of C, a company, are conducted in accordance with that person's wishes. So this is quite wordy and broadly drafted. And I think what it's important to note is that there does not need to be evidence of actual control being exerted. It's the possibility of control being exerted if the designated person wanted to do so, which is the key issue. And this can make it really difficult to confirm if control, if the control test is met. Now, unlike the US, the UK does not necessarily list those entities that it considers to be controlled by a designated person. And as such, it is necessary to conduct an assessment of whether control exists in order to understand if an entity is subject to a UK asset freeze. The UK government has issued some guidance as to what factors can be considered when assessing whether control exists. But what is relevant is going to be very fact specific to any given scenario. So finally, let's take a look at the EU position. The European Council set out the criteria for ownership and control in Council Regulation number 2580 of 2001. And this has been updated and we do see some nuances across different EU sanctions regimes. For example, for the purposes of the EU sanctions regime in relation to Russia, the EU has also confirmed that aggregation should be applied. As a general point, it's also worth noting that in contrast to the UK approach, the EU allows the presumption of ownership and control to be rebutted on a case-by-case basis. If the entity subject to ownership and control-initiated asset freezes can demonstrate that its assets are outside the control of the listed person and that any resources that would be made available to it will not reach the listed person or benefit them. And the EU has issued FAQs confirming this position recently, specifically in the context of the Russia sanctions regime. So what is the EU threshold for ownership? So Article 1, Subsection 5 of Regulation 2580 set out initially that the EU approach to ownership was the 50% or more test. Um, What it said is that owning a legal person, group or entity means being in possession of 50% or more of the proprietary rights of a legal person, group or entity or having a majority interest in it. However, this has been updated and the EU now applies a more than 50% standard as is set out in the EU best practices guidance that was issued in March 2015 and which has been updated in May 2018 and the latest version in June 2022. As such, the UK and the EU are aligned in using this more than 50% threshold for the purposes of ownership. And does the EU use aggregation? Yes. So in the context of the EU sanctions regime against Russia, the EU issued FAQ 8 in respect of its asset freeze uh, guidance. And this states that aggregation does apply to ownership. And it notes that where two or more listed persons are each minority shareholders of a non-listed entity, 
but their aggregate ownership amounts to more than 50%, then the entity should be considered as owned by a listed person. That's really interesting. So how does the EU deal with control? Similarly to the UK, it's necessary to consider whether control exists in order to determine if an entity is captured by an EU asset freeze. The EU does not automatically list those entities which are believed to be owned or controlled by a designated person. And the EU does not set out specific details regarding the concept of control within the EU regulations themselves. The EU Best Practices Guidance provides insight into what should be considered when assessing whether a person controls another, and this can include consideration of multiple issues, including, but not limited to, whether a person, for example, has the right or exercises the power to appoint or remove a majority of the members of the management or supervisory board of that entity, It also could include considerations of whether a designated person has the right to exercise a dominant influence over the company, and that could be pursuant to an agreement that's entered into with the company or pursuant to something that's in the company formation documents, such as its memorandum or articles of association. The EU guidance also says that you need to consider things such as whether the designated person has the right to use all or parts of the assets of the legal person or entity, and also whether that designated person shares jointly and severally the financial liabilities of that legal person or entity. But these are just some broad examples of factors that need to be considered when assessing control from an EU perspective. So from this, from what I can gather, the US, UK and EU all approach ownership and control differently. That's right, Jessica. So I think there's some key points to kind of take away from this. In summary, the UN, US, EU and UK regimes all consider ownership and control but deal with them in different ways. As we've talked about, the US applies a 50% or more rule, whereas the EU and the UK applies a more than 50% rule. The US will explicitly list those entities that it believes are controlled by a blocked person, whereas the EU and the UK may not. As such, for the purposes of UK and EU sanctions, a control test has to be applied. As I mentioned, the presumption of control can be rebutted in the EU, but not in the UK. And finally, the US aggregates ownership and the UK does not. The EU has said that it does aggregate ownership in the context of the Russia sanctions regimes. So there are lots of similarities and differences when looking at the concept of ownership and control across different jurisdictions, which is what makes this a complex area, particularly when you're having to consider global sanctions issues. Now that's everything we were going to cover today, so thank you for listening. Have you got any further questions, Jessica? No, I think we've covered everything I was wanting to get a little bit of insight into, so thank you very much, Victoria, for being my teacher today. It's been really helpful. No problem. Thanks, Jessica. Okay, thank you, Victoria. That was that was a well-delivered lesson. Jessica, I hope you found that interesting. Do you think you've learned about ownership and control? Yeah, definitely. I've come away with a lot more knowledge than I started with. Okay, right. So, Victoria, thank you very much for taking that lesson. really appreciate uh, the detail that you managed to get out in such a short amount of time. Sanction School, like all schools, has tests. And as a nominated invigilator, it's my job to oversee your final test for this lesson. So... Jessica, we have a 10-question test. Are you ready? Yeah, I think so. Okay, right. Let's see what you can remember. We're very traditional here, so we will start with question one. Does the UN impose ownership and control? Yes, I think the UN regimes do have ownership and control. Very good. Can you remember what the US ownership threshold is? I think the US implements ownership with a 50% or more rule. Very good. Okay, number three. Does the US ownership rule cascade? 
yes, I think it does cascade. Okay, that's great. And number four, the US uses aggregation for ownership. Can you just briefly tell me what that means? Yes, so I believe if one or more block persons in the aggregate owns 50% or more of the entity, directly or indirectly, then this means that the entity should be considered owned and therefore blocked. Okay, right. Question number five, does the US use aggregation for control? Um, No, I don't think so. So OFAC clarified this in guidance in 2014. Perfect. Thank you very much. Question number six, can you remember how the US implements control? So I think the US take the approach that they will list those that they consider owned or controlled. Okay, very good. Thank you. Let's move over to the UK now. So can you remember what the UK percentage threshold is for ownership? Yep. So I remember it being a little bit different to the US. They use the more than 50% rule. Very good. Okay, question eight, a slightly trickier one. Can you remember which regulation sets out the UK criteria for control? Um, Is it regulation seven? It is. Everybody's favourite. I'm sure there's plenty of people with that printed out on their walls. Um, Okay, right. Final two questions. Let's, Let's move over to the European Union. Question number nine, can you tell me what the EU percentage threshold for ownership is? So I think it used to be the 50% or more test, but I think it's now been amended to more than 50%. Very good. Thank you for that. Right. And final question. Does the EU use aggregation? This is a tricky one. So yes, but only under the Russia measures. So in FAQ 8, I believe they set out aggregation. Um, So you can be a minority, but if you're more than 50% in the aggregate, then the entity should be considered owned by that listed person and therefore blocked. Perfect. Thank you. Right. That concludes your test. I think it's just down to me to thank you both for your time today. We're just waiting for the markers to give us a thumbs up. Okay, that's a thumbs up. It's a very impressive 10 out of 10. Well done. You've passed this test so you can move on to your next lesson. I'm sure we'll catch up with you later in year two. That's it for today. So thanks for listening. Please tune in next time as we continue with Sanction School Year 2. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Sanction School, a podcast by UK Finance. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and scored well on the test. Join us next time as we continue to explore the world of sanctions. Don't forget to follow the podcast on Apple and Spotify and visit ukfinance.org.uk to access our supporting educational material.